Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Pagani, joined alongside TSN anchor Natasha Staniszewski, a very tongue-twisting name there. Surprisingly, I got that off correctly. Uh, Natasha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you. And I have to say, I've done a few of these over the last couple of months, and I think that you pronounced it by far the best. You nailed my last name, so good for you. I think that is a huge accomplishment because, you know, it's definitely hard to uh, say it initially, but yes. once you get used to saying it, it kind of rolls off the tongue better. Exactly. It looks way more intimidating than it actually is to say, for sure. Now, during this downtime, this coronavirus pandemic, a lot of people have turned on Netflix. Uh, what have you been doing during quarantine? Uh, I think in the beginning, I was kind of like that. I was watching a little bit more TV than usual. I, you know, I watched the Tiger King series like everybody was doing. I was into the Michael Jordan thing, which was good too, which was awesome. But I actually haven't watched a ton of TV. I've been trying to trying to read more because I love reading and I'm finally doing that way more. So I'm happy about that. Uh, lots of baking I've been up to now that the weather's finally good. Golfing has kept me super, super busy. I'm going out right away actually again. Uh, yeah, just, just stuff like that. Just trying, trying to find things that uh, make me feel productive, I guess. What sort of books are you into? Uh, I'm mostly a fiction girl, but I'm trying to broaden my horizons a little bit and get into some nonfiction um, I just finished actually Open Look by Jay Triano, just about his career in basketball in Canada, which was really good. But usually I'm kind of, I used to work at Chapters years ago when I went to university, so I love reading. So I'm, I'm always kind of poking around the bestseller list. And I love reading Canadian authors too. So. Always got to embrace our true nation with the Canadian authors. For sure. Have you been watching any sports that have returned, such as golf? Golf, absolutely. Yeah, unfortunately, I missed uh, most of the final round yesterday with golf, but I think that's the one thing that I've uh, that I've been really into. It's it's different without the the fans, of course, obviously, but um, I think it's been great watching from home. The Canadians have been doing really well, not outright winning, but there's been a lot of top ten finishes for them. Uh, which has been really good. So golf, definitely up there. A little bit of soccer I've been watching too, but but mostly golf. Now, the first uh, coronavirus case here in Ontario, I believe, was either in January or March. So initially, what did TSN tell you, uh, you know, about your job? They didn't tell us anything until... I mean, I guess it was Thursday night or Wednesday night, I forget, when Rudy Gobert tested positive for the NBA and things just shut down from there, right? Like there was no meeting or cautionary tales or nothing before that point. I think it kind of took all of us by surprise for that to shut down and then hockey. And then it was kind of just like, I don't know, we were just trying to go with the flow like everybody else was, right? Trying to figure out how dangerous this virus was, trying to figure out if all the sports were going to shut down. So for the first little while, it was kind of just touch and go. Um, and then they sort of tried to set up a lot of people at home, I'm sure you've seen, trying to anchor and they're on the panel from their living room or their den or whatever. So I think that's been an important thing that TSM was trying to do because I mean, people weren't allowed inside the building and a lot of them still aren't inside, allowed inside the building. So uh, I think it's been good that a lot of us are set up from home to just try and uh, keep some sort of content on the air. And how has anchoring uh, been impacted? Like, how have you been able to read the uh, highlights uh, since you've been at home? Well, I actually have not read um, any highlights for TV yet. I was one of the last 
uh, people to get set up for my den. So I've just been doing um, just some highlights for our internet site so far for tsn.ca. And uh, I mean, it's been fine. It's not quite the same as sitting in the studio doing a doing a live show when you know thousands of people are watching but it's nice to have a little bit of work back for me to be reading those highlights and stuff so I'm hoping um, like I said I'm hoping with hockey and basketball we can get back into the studio and, and start doing more shows fingers are crossed big time for that how has your perception changed on the coronavirus from March to where we are today um, man, I feel like it changes every week almost with the way this thing is, right? It's a bit of a roller coaster. Sometimes it's like, well, this thing doesn't seem too, bad, too bad. And then the next week or the next day, it's like, oh my God, you hear about all these cases everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like in March, um, I was, I was thinking to myself, you know, I hope this is just like maybe your three month or four month thing. And we'll look back and we'll think, oh, it wasn't a big deal. Like it was just a blip on the radar and, and not a huge deal at all. But obviously now that, what is it, July? We're into July 20th. Yeah, fifth, sixth month. Um, I just, I, you know, I feel, I, I hope people can get back to their regular lives a little bit, which it feels like a lot of people are doing, which is nice. But I guess I worry about that second wave that everybody's talking about. And I don't know when that's going to hit or if it will hit but it's nice to see people doing sort of normal things again. And I don't know about this vaccine. I know a lot of people are just like, well, when the vaccine comes, everything will be back to normal, but I don't know if this vaccine is ever going to come or how soon, right? It sounds like it, it could take a while. So uh, yeah, I wish, I wish we didn't have to wear the masks all the time inside. I'm not a fan of that, but I totally get it. I just, I miss seeing people's faces. I miss seeing people smile, you know, but if that's what it takes to kind of contain this thing, then that's what it takes. At least I don't have to wear it when I'm outside golfing. I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah, that is the, I guess the most true point there is, you know, you don't have to wear it outside when you're doing, you know, a tennis or golf because right, yeah. that could really impact your play. Yeah. It's just the golf course, like obviously there's strict, there's different regulations when you get there and things like, you know, you can't touch the flag and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, I feel like golf is, completely normal and when you're on the course you forget about all this COVID stuff which is which is really nice it's been a nice escape. Getting into your story a bit here uh, who influenced you to get into sports journalism? Um, I don't know if there was any one single person to be honest I just really enjoyed watching sports um, as a young person in Edmonton growing up I I mean, I played sports um, from when I was six or seven years old. I played all the, you know, high school sports, basketball, volleyball, soccer, all that kind of stuff. Um, I was an Oiler fan from a very young age. Edmonton's pretty hockey crazy. Uh, same with the Eskimos. And I just remember watching, uh, watching mostly hockey on the weekends, Hockey Night in Canada, and just seeing the reporters, you know, ask their questions, do their thing um, at intermissions and stuff like that. And I just remember thinking, you know, I, I think I could be good at that, you know. I think I think I might be able to make that work, but there weren't um, a lot of women doing it at the time, not a ton. So it kind of took me a while to sort of uh, find the courage and think that I could actually do it. But it was just I just loved watching sports, and I thought somehow that um, I I might be okay at doing it. 
you know, you did mention that you, uh, you are an Oilers kid or Oilers fan. Um, do you, what's your outlook for the series against the Blackhawks? Cause that's going to be one phenomenal series. Oh, you know, I know the Blackhawks are not what they used to be when they won those three cups in six years or whatever the heck it was, but the Blackhawks still scare me. I just think because they have a lot of the same players still, right? Like Patrick Kane, who's phenomenal, Jonathan Tate, all those guys. And it's just a short little three-game series. So you know how these, like, anything could happen, right? So as much as I think that we're more talented than the Hawks and that we should beat them on paper, I, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm nervous about it. Um, so hopefully, I mean, I think whoever is sort of the quickest out of the gate and can get their intensity up the fastest I mean, this whole pause is just, I can't imagine how the players are sort of, how it's felt for them. So I just hope the Oilers can kind of come out of the gate quick and uh, get up on them quickly, I guess, and and go from there. The most blood-boiling question right now for reporters is the unable-to-participate rule. What are your whole thoughts on that? The unable-to-participate, you mean not be able to cover the stuff? Well, because, um, you know, Jonathan Taves did leave practice and, you know, uh, Pasternak left practice and Crosby wasn't at practice today. And all of the teams and coaches, all they're allowed to say is that, you know, you, they're unable to participate. That's the rule. You can't give any further detail among that. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, yeah, it's um, as a as media, for sure, it is frustrating, right? Like Sidney Crosby now, absolutely. That is like at the top of everybody's minds. What the heck happened to him? Did anything happen to him? So it's frustrating not to know those details. I'm not sure that's the best way for the league to go about it. Like I understand with the COVID thing and the privacy for sure. But the fact now that players can hide almost anything is it's a little bit unfortunate. I don't know. I feel like they almost have to tweak that rule, but I, I don't have the answer to how, how that could be done necessarily. Cause I was listening to an overdrive clip and uh, you know, Brian Hayes and Mike Johnson were on the show and they brought in Ray Ferraro and Ray uh, said that, you know, it brings in mayhem and it causes mayhem. Cause you know, a lot of people go straight to the COVID side rather than, you know, listing, Oh, he maybe has a wrist injury or a leg injury, you know? Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I was, listening to Ray talk about that too and I I feel like it is I guess it's still a bit of a stigma to to people if you catch COVID because you I guess people can assume that you were doing something wrong you weren't protecting yourself or whatever so I get that players don't want to relieve uh reveal that but um but Ray is right like you just have no idea what could be going on with anybody and what if it's just not one player but two or three or four or five and it's I don't know if it's safe for everybody if, if they're allowed to hide it like that. Like, I feel like they should almost come clean with that. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. And it also creates, you know, if players were to come out and speak about it, it creates all these storylines that has media salivating for it. Well, unfortunately, us big, bad media people, we don't have a ton of things to cover right now. So yeah, exactly. Go after any storyline we can get. And of course, when you get a name like Austin Matthews, who's, you know, the most popular player for the Leafs, as soon as you hear that he is positive, I mean, that's a, it, it shouldn't matter which player it is or what line they play on or what their caliber is, but for sure, when you hear that the bigger stars are getting it, it's, um, I mean, I think as, you know, fans were, I, I'm not sure they were happy that uh, that, news was that news was revealed necessarily because it is supposed to be private, but I think they want to know at the same time kind of which players get it. 
and which don't. But if it wasn't such a stigma at this point, then it, it wouldn't matter. So hopefully, hopefully that stigma kind of goes away and then it won't be such a big deal to reveal if the player has it or not. Where were you when, or did you watch uh, the draft lottery at all this past, uh, this past or two weeks ago? I, I did not. I'll be a hundred percent honest with that. I, uh, I've had a bit of a hard time getting into some of these smaller events that are going on. I am hungry for playoff hockey and I'm hungry for basketball um, playoffs as well. But some of this other stuff, I, I haven't paid that much attention to, to be honest. You mentioned that you were quite the athlete growing up and excelling in volleyball and basketball. Did you receive any university or college offers? I don't know if I was quite the athlete. I played a lot of sports. I don't know if it was I was that great at them. I'm not very tall. I'm only 5'6". So to be a, an awesome basketball or volleyball player, I, need, I think you need the height a little bit. So no, I did not get any university offers. Uh, my claim to fame for sports growing up would be my uh, grade 12 girls team won uh, 3A provincials in Alberta. That's my biggest sporting accomplishment. Besides breaking 100 um, a couple of weeks ago when I was golfing, that, that's, been <laughs> <laughs> that's huge. <laughs> it was huge. I was, uh, it's been a, I feel like it's a long time coming. I wish I had broken it a couple years ago, but I finally, finally broke 100. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. Speaking about your golf game, which quality of your game could you work on? Oh, I think um, like a lot of people, it's it's the short game. For yeah. sure. My driver's pretty good. I'm usually pretty straight. Uh, my chipping is, it, I, I feel actually that's the reason I broke 100 because I've been more focused on my chipping a little bit, trying to practice it more. And I think that's kind of, that's what got me over the hump. Uh, so definitely chipping and I'm not the greatest putter either. I'm, I'm pretty good at reading the line, but when it comes to uh, a weight of my putts, sometimes they're all over the place. So, Do you think uh, mini golf would help with your putting game? I absolutely think mini golf would help. And I, when I was younger, I used to golf. We used to go to the pitch and putt or whatever all the time and do that. I should, I should probably start doing that now, but I was thinking of ordering, um, I don't know. I feel like there's things you can order on Amazon or whatever, like, uh, putting mats and like these things that you can practice. So if I want to get really hardcore, I should probably do that. And then I could just practice my putting while I'm watching hockey or whatever. You earned a business degree at the university of Alberta, but you turned away from that uh, to go into sports journalism. Was it the athlete that made you uh, get to that decision? No, I would say um, when I finished high school, I, I really didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Like I had thought about, you know, sports media, but it didn't seem, it just seemed like such a crazy thing to try and go and be on TV and cover sports. Like it didn't even seem like a real thing that I could do. So instead I just thought I'd go to university. Um, I randomly picked business, you know, Bachelor of Commerce, because I thought um, I could do a lot with it. It was just a good solid degree to have. So when I was done with that, I started working, um, but I just wasn't happy with my nine to five desk job. Like I was, I was pretty miserable to be honest. I just, it wasn't going well at all. And so when I was 25 or 26, I can't remember. I just, I thought, you know, I always had this degree to fall back on. Um, why not just try the TV thing and see what happens? So it was, it wasn't the athlete in me as much as it was. I just, I didn't want to be unhappy every day spending nine hours at work having like zero passion for my job. So at that point I was like, all right, I have nothing to lose. Let's go back to school and, and see what happens. 
Now, sports journalism is a male-dominated industry, kind of like how you alluded to it earlier this interview. How do you hope uh, more females get into involved with sports? Um, you know, I think um, women are doing pretty pretty well at this point. You know, when I f first started at TSN ten years ago, there were uh, only other two other female anchors, maybe three plus myself. So there weren't that many of us. And now I feel like we almost um, outnumber the men at TSN when it comes to anchoring um, sports. So I think women are, are doing great. I think there's a few positions that people say, well, there needs to be better representation, you know, when it comes to like play by play um, or analyzing games instead of just, you know, doing sideline reporting or whatever. So I'm, I'm curious to see if more women can tap into those specific roles. Um, but for the most part, I feel, um, I feel like women are doing just fine. There's, you know, people aren't surprised anymore when they see a woman in the locker room or a woman talking about sports on TV. I think a lot of people are used to it and it's just, it's not that big a deal anymore, which is awesome. Do you think you serve as a role model for young sports, uh, female journalists? Um, yeah, probably. I, I didn't really think so in the beginning, but I, I get so many, um, you know, emails or notes from people now saying that, you know, I want to do what you do and, and how should I go about it? You know, or even when I'm out on the street or at hockey games, you know, families will come up to me with their little kids, with their daughters and say, oh, we watch you on TV every single morning. So just the fact that I think they see women doing these kinds of jobs you know, when you see it, then you can kind of believe it if you see other people doing it. So, um, so yeah, I, get, I, I am a little bit of a role model, I guess. What's a typical day inside the TSN headquarters? A typical day for me, um, because I do Sports Center is obviously a show in the evening. That's when all the sports take place. So I usually don't get to work until about um, 6 or 7 p.m. That's when my day sort of starts. Uh, get my makeup done, do my hair, find my outfit. And then once I'm in the newsroom, I'll um, uh, sort of talk to my producer who's written down the lineup. He's already kind of built the show. Um, you know, he looks at the top stories, what's making news, and he kind of like prioritizes everything in the show. So after I look at that to see what's going on, there's always a few things for us to write when we, you know, introduce different stories or if it's a big game, we'll usually sort of set it up. So there's usually about three or four things that I have to write. Some of them I can, you know, bang off in five minutes. If I know the material really, really well, I can write really easily. If it's a sport that I'm not that familiar with or something going on that I just, you know, haven't been paying attention to, sometimes it can take, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes to research it and then write it out. And then once uh, that's done, the, the highlights, you know, will slowly start coming in. We have someone who watches every single game and they write the highlights for us. Um, so we're, we're trying to watch the game. It's obviously impossible to watch every single game um, when you're at work. So you're kind of counting on people to watch the games and make sure they're getting the right stuff. And then they hand us the scripts and we start looking at the scripts. We watch the highlights. We can jazz them up if we want to change them, you know, to what, whatever we're comfortable with saying, what, sorry, what we're comfortable with saying. And then, uh, and then once it's showtime, I mean, for me, I, I usually, lately I've been doing a lot of 11 p.m. sports centers. So you head up to the desk with your scripts and uh, off you go. And a lot of the times you have had a chance to look at your highlights ahead of times. Other times games are still going on and people will hand you scripts that you're reading blind and you've never seen before. So uh, it, I guess it's exciting that way. Live TV is always exciting because there's, you know, things, anything could happen sometimes. And 
you know, you're, you're not, uh, you don't get a chance to see everything and practice everything ahead of time, I guess is my point. Yeah. How do you come up or who does come up with the top 10 plays? The top 10 plays. That's a great question. Not me. I, there's every morning, um, there's a, you know, a group of people who are sort of, I guess, in charge of sort of the whole day and the different shows and what the priorities are. And there's, there would be a little team that would say, okay, what's going on? Um, a lot of the times it's sort of inspired by something that happened the night before or recently or whatever, or, you know, if Obi's going to score a million goals or whatever, then we focus on Obi. So we'll just come up with a top 10. So it's, it's just depending on sort of what's happening and, and you'll have a team of people uh, who will try and think of those moments and then, uh, and then go from there. You covered the 2014 Women's Olympics, correct? I covered the Women's World Hockey um, Championship. Yeah. And how was that experience? It was, it was great. Um, that was my first time um, sort of hosting a panel, which was uh, challenging for me, but I was doing it um, with a bunch of uh, women who obviously they, they played the game and they were awesome. They were great analysts. So, um, so that was great. I really enjoyed doing that. I'm hoping to be able to host a few more panels like that, that down the road. You hold the achievement of being the first female duo to anchor TSN when you anchored with Kate Burness. Uh, what was that accomplishment like? It was, it's, I mean, at the time, um, we didn't really think of it that way, right? It was just, um, they kind of put us together. Kate had already been sitting in that chair for a while. And so they were kind of trying different people with her and, um, when they kind of put us together on a more permanent basis, then then somebody sort of pointed out, well, you're the first, you know, team to the female team to do it, which I was like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. But it, it's, you know, it was nothing that it was at the time. It just, it wasn't a big deal for us. Again, as I say, to do things now as women in sports, it's not that big of a deal, but I do know again, when, you know, when I run into people and people say like, we love watching you women on TV, you're good role models for my kids then then that's awesome and the fact that we were just the first i mean that's just um we're just lucky i guess somebody would have come along and done it um sooner or later when jane dam first left in 2017 to go down to the states for a few years uh, did you get a feeling that they were going to come back um that's a great question i didn't i didn't really have any idea what they were going to do i really i mean i know them both we're not super close but i wasn't sure what their plan was um when they left i was shocked for sure when they left i was i had no idea that they were going to leave that was a pretty big deal and then when they came back i was i was also a little bit shocked like i just i didn't know what their plan was but i mean good for them for going down there and, and trying something different um and I, I guess you can always go home as the saying goes and they came back which is awesome for us we're happy to have them back again when something major in sports happens, like the San Jose Sharks comeback in game seven or the Jose Bautista bat flip, uh, how quick do you have to come up with what you want to say on your script? Yeah, it's, um, I remember that San Jose, you're talking about against Vegas, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, that I was anchoring that night, actually. And um, I think we might have been our our show would have was coming up like right when that game was done and I remember we were kind of walking up to the set and and I was thinking to myself you know there's no way this is going to happen like there's no way this is going to happen right and all of a sudden it did and when that kind of happens it is almost 
chaos in the newsroom, right? Like it's just, you have to turn things around so quickly. And lucky for me, I'm like, I'm not writing the scripts, right? I just have yeah. So, I mean, it's when you have such an important game like that, you have to kind of be keeping an eye on it because when you get a script, you know, it's going to be written very sort of last minute. It might not be perfect. It's just going to be very basic like language. So you kind of have to be ready um, just to kind of ad lib, I guess, if you have to, right. And just kind of go on the fly. So that kind of stuff, when that happens, it can be chaos, but I feel like we have so many great people at TSN who are so good at their jobs. And when we can turn around stuff like that really fast, it's, it's a pretty good feeling because it can be pretty, pretty chaotic for sure. How glued were you to the screen during that game? <laughs> well, I actually, um, yeah, I had a, fr I have a friend who's a huge Vegas fan and you know, for the first couple of periods, I was like, oh, you guys got this. Like, no worries at all. <laughs> They're going to come back. And then obviously, I, I just, I couldn't believe it either. Like, I was shocked as the next person. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's why we love sports, right, is, is for stuff like that. But that game, yeah, that one was, that, I felt bad for Vegas. That's, I still feel bad for them. That's a, that's a tough loss. That I think that game seven was the perfect game seven because it had everything that you dreamed of. That was a roller coaster of a game. Yeah, it was awesome. And I hope we get a few more games like that for the during the playoffs this year. It'll be interesting to see sort of what the intensity is like with with no fans in the crowd and, and what that, you know, how that's going to be watching it from home. Do you think they will pump in artificial crowd noise? Because I know the MOB is doing that. Yeah, I think they're talking about it. They're trying to figure out a way to to um, keep the swear words off TV, basically, right? Because we're going to hear everything that the players yeah. say. So I think they're trying to sort of keep some of the game sound, which I love. Like, it, I think it'd be awesome to hear a lot of what the players are saying, the strategy or whatever, or even just like the skate blades on the ice, you know, those little sounds that, that are harder to hear sometimes. But I do get the issue of trying to block out uh, some of the bad language that, there's probably a lot of it. So I'm not sure how they're going to tackle that. I heard at one point they were going to do like a sort of a PG broadcast and a rated R broadcast where you don't hear any of the swear words. And then one that's like totally clean feed and then you can hear everything, but that remains to be seen whether they're going to do that or not. So if you could tell a young Natasha about what her life is going to be like, what would you say? Oh, what? that's a good question. I haven't had that one yet. Um, yeah, I would have told a young Natasha that her life was going to turn out pretty awesome and that, um, yeah, I would have told her that, I mean, I've been in Toronto now for 10 years, almost 10 years now working at TSN, and I would have told her it was going to be in a wild ride and that she should look forward to every, every minute of it. Now, you just mentioned that you lived in Toronto for 10 years. Where were you when Jose uh, did the bat flip? Um, I was actually in the newsroom. I was working that night and I think, I think he did it in the afternoon and we had our six o'clock show, our live six o'clock show going up. And obviously all the guys and the girls in the newsroom are sports fans. Yeah. So sometimes when like our show is on and the guys and girls in the back are cheering, they'll cheer for things, right? Like if the Leafs are playing and sometimes it gets so loud that you can catch it, you can hear it on the air. So we always have to remind everybody like, keep down the noise guys like sports centers on. So when the bat flip happened, everybody was sort of silently cheering like people, <laughs> but you can't really yell because it picks that up when right, you're yeah. on camera. 
So it was sort it was like a muted celebration, I guess. Um, and just, I mean, all of, all of the folks in our newsroom who are from Toronto, so many of them are such hardcore Jays fans. So to see them as happy and joyful as they were was pretty funny, but it was a very quiet celebration. <laughs> Where do you think the Jays will end up playing? Because it came out today that Camden Yards in Baltimore will, uh, is emerging as a potential spot. So we've heard that Buffalo, uh, Florida, which is highly unlikely as they're the new epicenter, yeah. Uh, and now Baltimore are three potential spots for the Jays. Yeah, I wish I had some intel for you, but I don't. Uh, your guess is as good as mine when it comes to that. I think it's, I think it was the right decision to not have them play in Canada. But, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in charge of solving those problems with the baseball right now because that is a tricky situation. And and yeah, I have no idea what to do with the Jays at this point. <laughs> Well, I think that, you know, it's good Canada made the decision, but I think the timing of the decision came probably at the worst part, point in time because the season starts this Friday, and right. currently the Jays are homeless. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not the best way to go about it, but, um, <laughs> I mean, this virus, hey, like, no one's ever dealt with this kind of stuff before, right? So these challenges are, you're kind of just trying to do the best you can, but you're right, there's been a few things that have sort of been left last minute so we'll see hopefully they can get their act together and, and figure out how to do it how do you make sure the noise in the background doesn't get to your head while reporting um <laughs> there's been a, you turn around and give the newsroom dirty looks basically <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way of doing it right there it happens a few times like it's i mean you have so much going on in your ear a lot of the time anyways when you're reading highlights the director or the producers in your ear that you do get used to distractions but i would say the worst part is um when you're doing an on cam like when you're reading an introduction to something and then people behind you like that's that's super distracting when a big cheer goes up and you're trying to yeah. words and, and do your on cam and i mean whatever i get it but some, yeah, that's frustrating. But yeah, so sometimes you turn around and you glare at everybody and then they know right away that they were being too loud. So whatever, it's not the end of the world. And if I remember correctly, uh, The Amazing Race Canada did do a uh, TSN snippet uh, during one of their uh, seasons. I'm not sure what season it was. And it kind of, uh, the contestants went through and they did a TSN uh, role of the highlights. How many teleprompters do you have to read off of? We have three cameras that uh, are in the studio at all times. The one in the middle is the one used right at the beginning of the show when you see both anchors on the desk, sort of like the welcome shot when you see the big newsroom. So that one's right in the middle. And then each anchor has their own camera for when we're on um, like a one shot, we call it, right? Just the one. So there's three cameras that we have up there. And obviously the scripts and the prompter, it's, it's all the same, no matter which camera you're looking at. And do you have, when you were starting out, did you have any challenges making sure you were looking at the right teleprompter? Oh yeah. That's like, that's one thing, no matter if, whenever you change up your studio or you go somewhere else, there's, there's usually little tweaks with cameras and stuff like that. But you, I mean, you get used to it. The cameras, um, whichever one is on, does have a red light right on top of it. So that always helps. So that kind of stuff you usually can kind of get used to only takes you know, a few shows to kind of figure out which camera is which and, and what's coming to you. And you also, um, again, have the director in your hair, in your ear, sorry, saying, uh, you know, camera two is next, camera three, whatever. So that helps you as well. Last question here on the podcast. Uh, what, do you, what advice do you have to offer for aspiring sports journalists? 
Um, my advice would be don't be afraid to go for it, but make sure that you're ready to work really hard because it's a really competitive business. Um, and I would say, I, I tell a lot of people this, that the best experiences, the best way to learn is to go to small towns um, and just try and get, you know, try as hard as you can to get on air as quick as you can so that you can start getting comfortable and practicing um, being on live TV and just, you know, getting getting practice reading, getting practice writing. Like when I first started, I went to a bunch of small towns in Saskatchewan and I did everything there. I shot my own highlights. I edited my own highlights. I wrote my own scripts, all that kind of stuff. So I really enjoyed that process. And I think that's the most beneficial for people when they can go to smaller studios um, and, and practice everything so that you know everything when you hit the big time, if you hopefully do. Well, I'd like to thank TSN anchor Natasha Stanshevsky for joining me on today's podcast. Thank you again, Natasha. No problem. Thanks for having me, Michael.